Welcome to Technado. Welcome back to another episode of Technado. I'm your host, Sophie Goodwin, joined as always by Don Pazette. How's your day going, Don? It is going great. Another uh, exciting week of tech news ahead of us. We kind of a little little hangover from episode 300 last week. We we don't have all the crazy decorations and all that. That was a lot of fun. But yes. the it looked tech like news, the party store threw up in here. It really did, didn't yeah. it? Yep. But Thank the you, uh, yeah, you're welcome. The tech news never stops, so we're back again. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, actually, if you look behind Daniel, there is a remnant of the party. There's a little party hat back there on Cthulhu. Hmm. Uh, but that's the last remnant of the Technado 300 party. Still gonna have fun this week, though, right, Daniel? It's very festive. Yeah. Very festive, yes. Looking forward to having fun with you good folks. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for your spirited commentary on yes. the discussion. Let's go ahead and jump into our first article. We're going to start with some Microsoft tech news. This first article comes to us from Petri. It says, Microsoft Teams 2.0 client drops in public preview. So it seems to me like the major change here is the switch from Electron to WebView 2. So what exactly is that going to improve about this app? So, uh, you know, there are a lot of people out there that absolutely hate Electron apps. And Electron, if you're, if you're not familiar with it, I know we've talked about it on the podcast mm -hmm. before, but it's a framework for creating web applications and having them run locally on the desktop. It's built on top of Chromium, and so it's, it's a, a product of, well, of, of Google's machinations. <laughs> and if it's got one big flaw, it's that it's not very performant. So it's slow, it eats up a lot of memory, so people aren't huge fans of it. Microsoft's been working on WebView, too, which is, is not just like a Microsoft project. So this is also built on top of Chromium, but it's designed to be a lot more performant. So you have apps that run and, and actually feel like they're native apps. They don't feel like it's a web app just being rendered locally. So the big deal is going to be performance. So if you've used Microsoft Teams, you might know that it, it's not the fastest to launch. As you move between Teams and chats and so on, it can be a little bit on the slow side the new one should fix that. And it brings along with it a number of other improvements, too, that are supposed to be a leap ahead. Microsoft's really, really putting the effort behind Teams. They see that as being their new in. It used to be that Outlook was their entry point to businesses. Businesses wanted Microsoft because of Outlook and Excel and Word, the Office Suite. Well, Teams is quickly becoming one of those core applications that businesses want, and it's how they're staving off competition from people like Slack and, and other vendors. Well, I'll have to say that my experience with Microsoft Teams thus far, as the French would put it, sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And you've seen this, right? You've seen this firsthand. Don's like, hey, I sent you that in Teams. I'm like, yeah, Teams doesn't say I have anything from anyone. And then we kind of move it around a little bit and he goes, oh, you, you want something from me? Oh, yeah, you got a you got like a ton of messages, bro. I want to check that. And then people are getting mad at me, like I'm not checking my teams. Yep. And we've specifically I mean, I sent you something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like the new client is going to be available, like generally later in 2023. So maybe that will change your opinion on Teams. I'm going to lose my ability to blame it on Teams. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> the uh, the preview is out right now, and so if you're signed up for the preview program. It's actually very stable. Yeah. And so if you are an admin of an Office 365 account, you can actually opt in your whole organization if you're ready to take that <laughs> risk. I'd recommend waiting for general release. But if you're in a hurry, you can't actually get it. The preview is out right now. Man, you can't throw a starving man a bone like that and not think he's going to pick it up and eat it. Yeah. <laughs> this is it's massive downloads after this technado. <laughs> and, you know, like performance is the number one thing. That's yeah. what a lot of people are going to care about. But there are, according to Microsoft, 90 plus new features also Whoa. packaged in with this, which 
On one hand, that's a lot of new functionality. On the other hand, that's 90 more things that can go wrong. That's true. In a beta. It's so. like it's like a it's like a car with a bunch of electrical doohickeys on it, right? It's like, "Oh, this is so cool. What do you, what do you mean it's a $1,000 to fix that? It just turns that light on." Yeah, but to make that light come on, that is not easy, and it's not easy to fix. So get out your wallet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that there's an article we were going to talk about with uh, that had to do with Teams, I was so curious as to what Daniel's input was going to be because I've I've also seen you like across yeah. the desk. I'll be like, "Hey, did you get that thing I sent you?" And you're like, "Was it in Teams?" Because if so, then no, I did not get yeah. it. There is no guarantee. There, yeah. Anything came through Teams for Your me. results may vary. Sixty yeah. percent of the time, it works every time. That's well, hopefully, hopefully you see an improvement there a little bit later this year. I'm skimming over some of the new features just to see if anything's oh, yeah, like yeah, truly yeah. relevant. Um, you know, there's no the, emojis. The find feature right now does a find across all of your communications, but oh. now you can limit find to a particular chat or a particular channel. That's a that's a useful so thing. So that wasn't there before. Nope. That's dumb. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, not there. Uh, Auto suggest is coming in. They're supposed to be baking in some of the Chat GPT stuff that Microsoft ah. has been leveraging. So you'll have some of that. Open AI. Uh, threaded replies. That's actually a nice thing to have when you have a, a complex conversation yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. But perhaps the most important addition. A new high five animation. Critical. Critical. <laughs> Absolutely business crit right there. Like, if it goes down, someone's getting a phone call. <laughs> I tried to put this high five emoji in my uh, team's message, and it's just not animating correctly, Don. How will they know I'm a team player <laughs> yeah. without my high five animation? That's right. That's what's going to improve your team's experience. I guarantee yeah. it. Once that change comes about. Well, sticking in that vein of Microsoft trying to improve things, uh, we have another article from Ars Technica that says Microsoft wants changing default apps in Windows to be less of a mess. So, again, I mean, this is like kind of a convenience thing, right? Just saves you, saves you some time when you're trying to change your default browser, it sounds like. You know, this one is a, a demonstration in public relations and market or marketing manipulation. Like, <laughs> Microsoft is coming to you and they're saying, look, it's hard to change the default app. If you want to switch from Adobe Acrobat Reader opening PDFs to using Chrome to open your PDFs or Foxit or something like that, it's hard to change the default app. So we're going to come in and we're going to make it easier. Now, what they're, what they're glossing over is the fact that in Windows 7, it was really easy to change the default app. Mm. And then they made it hard in Windows 8, Windows 10, and now Windows 11. And it's a freaking nightmare to Correct change. Correct me if I'm wrong. They don't like it when you change the they default They don't, because they, they want you to use Edge for everything. Why are they so... <laughs> like, I've already bought the product, man. My, my theory <laughs> Oh, hold here. on. Is it, is it like gathering data about me in some way, shape, or form? <laughs> I'm certain that's a big part I'm going to go with that's probably what's up. My my suspicion here is either Google's already feeling, got all my data. <laughs> they're probably feeling regulatory heat, or some manager somewhere got terminated and a new one came in and just said, well, "This is ridiculous. Let's fix yeah. this problem." So don't let Microsoft be the hero. Don't believe the headline of "Hey, they're going to make things better." It's it should really be Microsoft fixes their screw up, <laughs> and admits that they made a mistake, and and. And they're saying that they're sorry. So mark it in your calendar because that doesn't happen often. <laughs> Microsoft never <laughs> says they're sorry. Nah. Uh, I wonder if that's true. Yeah, I, I wonder, look that I wonder up. how they often ever they've apologized. Sorry. I've noticed, and this I'll get you guys' opinion on this, that um, companies, people, I see this in Kickstarters and stuff, they do not like to use the word sorry. Hmm. Right? You see some CEO that laid off 25% of the staff and like, I'm fully responsible for this. It's my fault. And, uh, you know, I promise to do better. But he never uses the word sorry. It's like that word is yeah. a taboo or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they just don't it's like, like a to curse. Apologize. Yeah, it's weird. If we say we're sorry, then we're admitting guilt. 
Like, like we really did something wrong. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I feel like the the fallout here is a pretty good indication that something didn't go right. <laughs> I don't think you have to have an MBA to understand. Well, hang on. Daniel Tiger taught us saying "I'm sorry" is the first step. That's true. Then how can I help? <laughs> I know all the Daniel Tiger songs. Because so, we have children. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, Sophia's so over there going, what there is yet. happening? I'm not quite there you, yet. You've missed that one. We thought um, you'd know it just because you were that young. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in this case, Microsoft totally screwed this one up, yeah. made it really hard, and now they're fixing it. So what are you going to see? What's the real difference? Right now, if I want to change my PDF reader, I've got to go into the control panel, which isn't even the control panel anymore, right? Yeah. I've got to go into the settings and the touch interface and all that and and hunt my way through to where the default applications are set and then change it from there. It used to be that you'd install a new program like Adobe and it would say, hey, would you like Adobe to be the default? And you just click yes. And it's not like that now. Yeah. Now it says, oh, you want to change it to be the default? Here's the instructions for you to follow. Did you, you used to be able to do the like right click open with and then you would say, make this the default program. You still do that. Yeah, so that's not too difficult. You you can do that in I know you can do that in Windows 11. You couldn't yeah. do that originally in Windows 10, and they had to add that back in. Gotcha. And yeah, I mean it has been. It's, they really don't want you doing this. They don't, yeah. and and it's gonna get them in regulatory trouble with the browsers, Good. especially. Good. Stop it. Yeah. I don't want you not wanting me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, good times there, but we're seeing those changes start to roll out, and they're making it where they can do deep linking. Where if an application wants to change the default and you say yes, it can send you right to the screen where you're able to nice. pick and, and change it. Well, yeah, hmm. it's about dang time. It, it really it, is. Yeah. <laughs> when you said you were curious if Microsoft had ever had to apologize for anything like publicly, I just got curious. So I Googled Microsoft public apology. And the most recent thing was in 2021. It had to do with a, a worldwide Azure outage, um, okay. or an outage that impacted Azure cloud services. But before that, the most recent thing I could find was there was a string of things that happened in 2016 where they had like a chat bot they tried yeah, to implement. We, we knew that went a, <laughs> a, a little awry. Uh, there was, yeah. I guess, a an Xbox party that featured go-go dancers. They had to apologize for that. Uh. And then this one I thought was funny. Uh, Microsoft invites Bay interns to get lit on lots of drinks, <laughs> then apologizes uh. again. <laughs> And is so it that, some sort of like narcissistic apology where they're not really saying they're sorry, but it's like, obviously this is bad. They you apologized know, within hours of the end because it was invites to their interns to come to like yeah. a company party with beer pong and hella noms, which I mean, I don't know what that bro. is. It uh, noms is like food. Food. Yeah. I, oh, okay. I hate that. I know that. But anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> so the company had to, they were like the email was poorly worded and not in keeping with our values as a company. And so anyway, they promised an investigation into what happened. I'm like, you sent the email. What do you mean? Yeah. So um, did we send this? We did absolutely we? <laughs> did. Can you believe that? I mean, yeah. I should really start, you know, checking my stuff before I send it. <laughs> now, even. And I just pulled up the one on the go-go dancers because uh, it was even more embarrassing for them because they they were hiring female go-go dancers. The same day as they were also promoting a women in games uh, event, and so yeah, like talk about a mixed signal. So that uh, sounds like grifting to me, Don. But they, <laughs> so Phil Spencer, their head of Xbox, came out and said it was unequivocally, unequivocally wrong. Right. So okay, admitted that it I'll was take wrong. that. But again, not sorry though. Not sorry. So there's something about. I mean, that this word. was wrong. Who yeah. yeah. did this? Just the generic. Those like, people should yeah. apologize. And I guess like. I apologize. That counts. Yeah, that's an right? I'm sorry. But, but yeah, it just seems weird. Yeah. Companies don't like to apologize. Yeah. Maybe that's because it would be an admission of guilt and right. attorneys tell them not to do it. Maybe we should start yeah. making them like that. It has to be forced, <laughs> forced, <laughs> compelled speech. <laughs> <laughs> if we have you doing the wrong thing, like, 
sealed away. It is a it is a conclusion objectively. You did the wrong thing. You must say the words. I'm I'm Bill Gates and I'm sorry. Are we allowed to do four speech in America in the US? I mean you, you have freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want. Right. You have freedom. You have the of right speech. to remain silent. Right. But compelled speech. <laughs> can we do compelled yeah, speech? Yeah, I don't think so. We should look into that. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm being facetious, by the way, about compelled speech because I'm not <laughs> like, yeah, that shit. Head your best there yeah. a little bit. <laughs> that, well, no, I'm not. I'm that's, that's legit. Like <laughs> I, I am making a joke. <laughs> yeah. Because I would like to see what would happen if we tried to compel Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You better bring a lunch. <laughs> yeah, you got to be work cut out. <laughs> that was a fun foray into yeah. Microsoft's wrongdoings. I was, I, I was not paying attention to what they were doing in 2016. So it's just interesting now to go back and read. Because yeah, you were 12. Because I was 12. <laughs> Excuse you. Not quite. Not quite. You're a couple yeah. years off. Then. Yeah. I'll let you. So I'll you were 10? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you figure it out. I'll let you do the math later. Oh, so, man. But that's hard. <laughs> we've, we've hammered on Microsoft a little bit. So let's move on. We've got some news in uh, the world of Linux. Google discloses CentOS Linux kernel vulnerabilities following failure to issue timely fixes. This comes from NeoWin. So there are apparently, I think, three vulnerabilities they highlighted specifically. And I know one of them, it said it was hard to exploit, but if somebody could do it, they could crash the system or something? Sure. Yeah, so this this boils down to a couple of, of different scenarios, right? So the first thing is is responsible disclosure. When a hacker finds a vulnerability, they if they're doing responsible disclosure, they will report it to the vendor that they've detected the vulnerability in and then give them a period of time to remediate, to come up with a fix, to patch the vulnerability. And once it's patched, then the attacker, or, you know, the the security researcher, whoever it is that finds this, can then go and responsibly disclose it to the rest of the world because there's a fix for it, mm. right? We don't want to tell the whole world about a problem before the vendor's even had a chance to put out a fix. But if the vendor waits 90 days and still hasn't put a fix in place, eventually the researchers say, well, hey, you know, we're, we're going to release this to the world because maybe that will force you to fix it if you're not going to do it in 90 days. Well, that's one problem that we've got here is that Red Hat is uh, IBM, right? Mm -hmm. IBM bought Red Hat. Uh, so IBM is responsible for the support and maintenance of CentOS. It's not a community project like it used to be. And there are vulnerabilities that have been disclosed to them that they've not patched in 90 days. They have patched in Red Hat Enterprise Linux and RHEL, it's patched. But you go over to CentOS and it's not. Now, there is where we get into our second controversy because it's not CentOS anymore, it's CentOS Stream. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that they were referring to this as CentOS. I'm like, isn't it CentOS Stream now? Well, and what was the what was the concern people had back then when, when Red Hat announced that they were discontinuing CentOS and creating CentOS Stream? I don't remember. I wasn't really like paying attention at that point. So it, it wasn't it wasn't going to be a patch for patch mirror of RHEL anymore. Okay. Now there's gonna be some experimental stuff in there, things that were in between. So CentOS And that's Stream, when like Rocky and Alma came out to kind of yep. fill that gap. Yep. Okay. And so CentOS Stream was going to be in between RHEL and Fedora. Fedora has tons of experimental stuff in it. You don't want to run Fedora yeah. in production. Uh, but tons of people were in Where's CentOS your sense of adventure, Don? Uh, that went out when... You know, With when, Nixon's. You, it depends on whether you care about your paycheck or yeah. not. Uh, okay. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, yeah. When you have a family to support, you yeah, it does. take less IT risk. It does. Yeah. Thank you. It could be a little more safer. Or, yeah. um, you know, how many... Uh, 2 a.m. Sunday morning patching a server do you go through before you learn your lesson? <laughs> you know, like, I'll stick with what should be in production. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me 14 times. <laughs> so at the time when CentOS Stream was announced, there were some people who said, this isn't a big deal, whatever. I'll, just, I'll switch over to CentOS Stream. I, hell, I did a video on how easy it was to move yeah. from CentOS to CentOS Stream because it was easy. And uh, you know, some people just did that and that was it. But other people drew a line in the sand and said, forget that. We don't trust Red Hat. We're going we're gonna to roll our own. That's where Alma and Rocky came in which are on parity with RHEL. Well, fast forward to today, it's been two years, and we see proof of that. Like, if you are running CentOS Stream, you are more vulnerable than if you're running Rocky or Alma Linux right now. So, hey, uh, the writing was on the wall, and now now it's out in the open. Yeah, Everybody time to pay it. the piper, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you, you can't... Um, you can't I, the whole idea that there are researchers out there doing this work on their own free time, right? I don't know whether or not they asked for any kind of money for this. It's possible, but I didn't see anything about it. And Don, you correct me if they were looking for But a lot of them are just looking to make their system safer. Right. They're looking to make your system safer. And when they push, they find a vulnerability to this magnitude, they give it to the vendor, and the vendor's like, yeah, I'll get to it. <laughs> you know, they're changing channel. They're, they're having a good time. It's like, bro, you need to jump on this. And it happens a lot more often than you would think. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times these researchers feel compelled, to use that word again, sorry, word of the day, calendar, right? <laughs> they feel like they have no choice but to release this out and force the hand, compel them to do something about it. All right, get off your dove, stop watching The Simpsons, as entertaining as that show may be, right? <laughs> yeah. Make some fixes, pass that out. People are relying on this. We're worried about security left, right, and center, and you're sitting on your hands when we got systems that are in place that we know about a vulnerability, we know we could fix it, and nothing's being done. Yep. Mm -hmm. And these particular vulnerabilities were found by Google's Project Zero. Yeah. So a professional team, one of the leading security research groups out there, so you know they submitted the right paperwork. Right. The fact that Red Hat has applied these patches to their RHEL product, you know, it tells you like the, the grunt work is already done of yeah. creating the patch. It's just not been pushed out to CentOS Stream. So the, mm. the message here should be, it should really just be one thing, and it should be CentOS Stream is not a production operating system. Mm. Like, that that should be the lesson here. That's an interesting way of saying don't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you you can run CentOS Stream if you want, just yeah. not... I would Not in production. Yeah, I would not cha uh, chance my production environment on that. No. The more you know. Yeah. The more you know. I feel very educated now. And other things. <laughs> It's always interesting to hear from you because you guys, like you were talking about, like you go through enough Sunday 2 a.m. patch fixes and stuff. And it's just neat because that's not an environment I've been in before. So it's neat to hear about, like, from the perspective of somebody that's been through that stuff before. Yeah. Um, it's not neat. Well, it's interesting. It totally What's sucks. interesting is that you benefit it. from it without ever mm -hmm. seeing anything, right? Yeah. Like, you just get to live in a safe environment. Yeah. Do. And I don't have to worry about you as an end user because there's, you know, there's always been this kind of like dichotomy or dual philosophy of should we as security and systems administrators be making more secure environments and therefore our end users don't have to worry so much about security or should we be doing more end user security awareness training and bringing them up so who you know where do, where do we end up landing it's probably a, a bit of both honestly right that's probably the best way to go but ultimately i think we probably have more onus on us than you do because it's our profession it's what we do so we should be more you know I don't know how I can put this without being crass. Uh, we should just be more fervent about doing these things uh, on our end of the spectrum because, you know, with great power, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah 
from the horse's mouth. That's it. Right. From Spider-Man's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Ben's. <laughs> Whatever. Me <laughs> <laughs> <He> die. <laughs> I think that is going to wrap up our tech news segment of Technado. So we're going to take a quick break, but up next we're going to get into some explosive security news. That's a little Ooh. teaser for you. That's what we I didn't call think security news was coming after explosive. <laughs> <laughs> explosive, yeah, it's a little teaser. If you want to know what I mean, you'll just have to stick around. Stay tuned for more Technado. My name is Dana Morrison. I'm the IT director at Grace Christian School in Raleigh, North Carolina. I work with two technicians, Buddha and Anthony. We cover all grades at the school. We figure that we support approximately 800 end-user devices. My name is Buddha Nepal. I work as an IT support here and AV specialist. I moved into IT department and and on our first meeting, other team members asked me, "Hey." What's your IT background? And I was like, I don't have any. We have this SharePoint project that we're rolling out. So I was able to go to IT Pro TV and um, watch. And by the end of this month, we were actually migrating all our files to SharePoint. I can use IT Pro TV's uh, supervisor portal to check the progress of my technicians so I can see what they're looking at. So when we were doing SharePoint training, I can go in and I can see that Buddha is hitting on that content. I really want to see hands-on how they do things. And if there was an IT Pro TV, I don't know how I would have done that. IT Pro TV has given us the ability to level up our technicians to a point where they can decide, this is important for me to learn and go out and learn. At home, I have Apple TV and there is an app there. And so I actually watch on Apple TV. I, I watch it in my iPad too. Saturday mornings, I still get up early. 6.30, I go grab a cup of coffee, I sit down on the couch, and I typically watch two or three episodes uh, as I just kind of increase my own learning skill set. I would recommend IT Pro TV uh, to any IT team that is looking to extend their knowledge. Uh, it offers a great, easy to access, interactive, entertaining uh, environment. It's just a great tool uh, for any IT professional. We are back with more Technado. We're going to go ahead and switch gears from our tech news segment into that explosive security news that I mentioned. It's time for our first segment, Tinfoil Hat. The moon landing was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? So this article comes from Tom's Hardware. It says Ecuadorian journalists targeted by exploding USB drives. And at first when I saw this, I was like, oh, my gosh, exploding USB drives. And luckily they they lead the article saying there were five of them sent out. Only one of them went off or exploded. And it only exploded part of the way, I guess. It didn't do what it was really supposed to do. So nobody was injured, which is great. But it did, I think, destroy some some property. Destroy the person's laptop, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we've all heard the story about the security researcher who takes USB keys, puts malware on them, and like leaves them in a parking lot, knowing that somebody will find it. And the first thing they'll think is, oh, this probably has somebody's photos on it. Let yeah. me go and, and plug it in and take a look. Nobody will know. And the moment they plug it into the computer, computer gets infected with malware. Uh, you know, the, the Hack 5 guys make a device. What's it? Rubber Ducky? Rubber Ducky. Yeah. yeah. So you can put a malware payload on there. We've heard of that. What we haven't heard of, or at least I haven't, is an explosive payload. And in this case, they... They straight up legit put C4, plastic explosives, inside of a USB key. And when you plug a USB key in, one of the first things that happens is your computer provides at least 5 volts of electricity into it. And 
it was set up to detonate. Now, apparently it had two different sections of explosive and only half of it exploded, but I'm just going to go out on a limb here and assume any amount of C4 exploding in front of you is probably not a good amount. Um, so if you get a random USB key, you certainly need to be paranoid on this one about even plugging the thing in in the first place. Yeah, rando USB keys, probably not the best idea in the world to be plugging into your stuff. Now, what I found interesting or, or just made me think, right, it effectively destroyed the device, right? Uh, and when I say the device, the, the computer that it was plugged into, and it didn't hurt anybody. Maybe that was partly their idea was you have stuff on your computer and I'm going to destroy it. Mm. Yeah, you could probably use a wiper and be a whole lot easier to do it than blowing stuff up. But, you know, maybe going for a two-for-one shot there with, I got you and your computer. I'll get you, my pretty, and your laptop, too. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of, um, I'm Googling really fast here, USB kill. Here it is. The oh, yeah. USB killers? Yeah. So it's a USB key, and it basically has a big capacitor inside of it. I, I say big, but you know, yeah, you, you don't plug in the them in key. unless you want it to go fry fry. And the idea is that when somebody plugs it into their computer, it immediately sends that charge in, and it fries the computer. And these things work; they're real. And you according <laughs> according to my you know seconds of Google Kung Fu here, I'm trying to find a price. On I know. It's I, like, did you not want me to know how much the dang thing costs? I, I don't think they're expensive. Um, what would be the practical use for that if you're not aiming to like? you know, do, do it for a negative reason or a malicious intent. Like, so if I was a hacker and like all of a sudden the secret service is busting down my door, I right. slapped that into my laptop. Right. I understand why you yeah. would do it like from that perspective, but if you're able to just buy these things online, is there a reason you would buy it? That's not like negative or malicious or like I've been doing bad things and I need to destroy evidence. You know, that's I, a great question. Was, Cause then like, I, I would think there. that why would it be okay? I mean, I guess it's yeah. country. You can do what you want, but so it, it's 67 bucks for the basic, $89 for the pro. So for less than $100, you have a, a, a weaponized USB key. Yeah. Uh, and as far as a positive use for it, I mean, I guess... It's a great you, prank. <laughs> yeah. My MacBook yeah. Pro just you know, <laughs> crapped the bed because I stuck this the, USB key in it. The website is actually covered... So this is, if you want to learn more about oh. it, usbkill.com... Yeah. Um, it goes on to say that uh, unstoppable modes. The ultimate pen testing device. Now, I I don't understand yeah. exactly. Last time I checked, the pen testers <laughs> their their guiding principle was do no harm. I mean, is you, is a handgun like the ultimate <laughs> pen testing device? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. This door is weak because yeah. I was able to bash it in with my personal battering ram. That's right. I drove a car <laughs> through the front and. You know, you guys got to do something about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, if you if you're trying to develop some kind of surge resistant port, this device would help you test it. Listen, I Maybe. rented an airplane and dropped a brick of C four from it. <laughs> Why were you prepared? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Any time a drone could fly over, just. <laughs> yeah, the uh, it does say law enforcement might use it. I guess that's I didn't that didn't occur to me as a reason. But how would law enforcement use it? Used by penetration testers, hardware manufacturers. Now, all right, I can understand hardware manufacturers again. Yeah. If they're trying to develop something resistant. Um, law enforcement. How would law enforcement use a device that destroys a computer? Great question. I mean, this is like I'm a. Try, I'm trying to think of like anything because it's obviously outside of any uh, one of our realms. Yeah. Um, Maybe if the computer, they found like they came across a computer and it was doing something malicious and they needed it to stop right now. Mm. They plug that sucker in, fry, fry, and they call it a day. 
Yeah, I'm but, grasping here, but yeah. Uh, I'm thinking maybe like hackbacks. Right, so Dude, it's a hell of a hackback. You know the the you get the Nigerian prince email. Yeah. You start going down that rabbit hole. I, I, I have all my Bitcoin on this USB key. Yeah, I'll send you the USB key. Just yeah. plug it in. Maybe. Yeah. There's a there's a file on it called password. Huh. <laughs> Click well. that. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Huh. Uh, the, you can get the advanced one that was a little bit pricier, just still under a hundred bucks, but has a remote trigger, so they can plug it in and it doesn't activate. Nice. And you can remotely trigger it from a hundred meters away. Good night. Um. Timed attack, magnetic. I just trigger. see this thing being like a big troll, <laughs> right? Yeah, like ha ha, Don, your laptop's fried. I guess I'm. You know, I've got an old laptop stuff. sitting in my closet, and I. You think it's worth the money? I don't know. It could be entertaining. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Next week on Technado. But <laughs> let's fry a laptop. <laughs> but going back to the explosive USB key, though, right? Yeah. I mean, you plug it in and it explodes. That's. That's some serious stuff. That's, That's some car serious bomb. stuff. I, I wonder how much they developed on this. Like, how long before they were like, okay, we've got it? Or did they just, like, slap this thing together with some duct tape and tie wire and cross their fingers as they stuck it in the mailbox? Yeah, how do you test that? You'd have to have, like, one hell of an extension cable. Right? <laughs> get it get it far away. Like, yeah. it. How do you shove that into the, uh, into the USB port? You like a blast shield? <laughs> You're wearing a bunch of oven mitts and some baseball gear. <laughs> it, it does say it's being treated as, uh, I think, domestic terrorism by the Ecuadorian government. That's, a, that's an interesting pivot. Well, you there. start blowing stuff up, especially journalists. No, absolutely. Right. Yeah, 100%. I, yeah. I totally you have crossed agree. the line. Yeah, you've, you've crossed the line. Yeah, certainly. Yep. It does say that, because uh, I was curious why the other devices didn't explode. Like, did they just not get plugged in or did they get plugged in and right. it just failed? So it looks think, like it was maybe the voltage wasn't high enough. Yeah, I, I think they said it failed, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, right, if you don't give it enough voltage, then it, you know. But if it had detonated all the way, the you one just that tickled did it. partially. <laughs> yeah. The one, <laughs> the one that did partially detonate, I wonder if it had been fully successful, if that guy would have been, like, injured or killed. Like, how powerful would it have been? Oh, uh, good question. Well, I mean, a, a guy did plug it in, exploded, and he survived. All right, Don, buy some right. EX. But if it was, <laughs> yeah, if it was double, the yeah, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Because it says it was only half the explosive charge that ignited, so it oh. was. How many M80s like, do we need from Joker Joe's to <laughs> simulate this? At stuff? a minimum, it certainly sends a message. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you get a USB key in the mail. This is like out of like a movie or something, right? Like a comic book. Yeah. Oh, we got uh, Tony over here. Thinks he's gonna inform on us, does he? Is the mafia yeah. exploding USB drives? Yeah. So the mafia is huge in a cybercrime. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they are big in a cybercrime. So yes. Interesting to see if they get I into would that think, yes. specific exploding USBs. Really, well, it'd be interesting does, to see. Does well, now that we've cracked the seal on it. Well, it was cyber based, and it was a crime. I mean, sure, it, it's a USB key, right? But yeah. at the end of the day, it, it was probably like because they said they were. Uh, uh, the, the journalist focuses on crime and corruption, mm -hmm. right? So in my head, that goes to there are cyber criminals yeah. out there that they are focusing and they're going, oh, well, let me use others. my skills to tell you to stop. Okay. That's that's mm -hmm. where I, my head went with this. All right. Seems seems a little on the low-tech side, but that, that shouldn't disqualify it, I suppose. Yeah. Maybe they're just a kid of the 80s. 
<laughs> and said, I'll blow him up, <laughs> son of a bitch. So, <laughs> tell me where my mind went. And this is probably getting me in trouble somewhere. But uh, I was like, all right, this is a USB key. Count on somebody. But what, what are other things that you could do to get somebody to trigger to provide an electric charge? The yeah. one that popped into my mind was microwave popcorn. <laughs> you give them a, a microwave popcorn bag of C4. Yeah, and somebody puts it in the microwave. Yeah, a little yeah, pop secret. You are right? dead at that point. <laughs> yeah, there's a secret in pop secret, all right. <laughs> and you're taking it to your grave. Yeah. See, it's just one-liners just waiting to happen. <laughs> right? This is this was a child of the '80s that was getting retribution. I know because I'm that guy. Very, very possible. Yeah. All right. So stay safe out there. Don't trust random USB keys. No, no, no. no. Was advice we would have said last year before they exploded. Hand them to your neighbor and be like, hey, plug this in. If you needed needed any more motivation to not plug strange devices into your your computer, it might blow up. Remember how I was talking about telling jokes? That was a joke, by the way. (laughs) Please do not kill your neighbor. Yes. We need to put like a a little asterisk at the end of the episode. I feel weird that I have to tell people that, but whatever it is. The world we're in, I guess. It Just is. kidding. We've had this conversation before, I feel like, yes. on, on this show. So pivoting from explosive USB keys, let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. I want to make sure I pronounce this right. <clears throat> Don't! <laughs> not bad. Don't! Thank you. I don't know yeah. if y'all heard that. Daniel yeah. said not bad. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that compliment. And it's recorded. It's gonna be my it's yeah, it's recorded. Right. You can never deny it. it. Lives in history. That's right. The internet never forgets, does it? <laughs> the internet never forgets. So this next article comes from the register. It says GitHub publishes RSA SSH host keys by mistake issues update. So it was it was an employee that published the private RSA keys. It wasn't hacker activity, it was just human error, right? Hey, look, we all make mistakes. Everybody's done something. You, you drive to work, you park your car, you turn the motor off, and you realize you left your laptop at home. You call that a Don. <laughs> really donned that one up. You, yeah. uh, <laughs> you, you, your hard drive fails, and you realize you haven't done a backup in a month. And more than once here on TechNado, we've reported where somebody accidentally uploads an API key into their public GitHub repo. It happens a lot. Uh, people compromise their credentials by posting. It happens so much that GitHub actually has an automated script that runs that scans every repository to see if you post anything that looks like an API key and will immediately warn you about it. Hmm. The irony here, I don't actually, This is, I'm going to do a uh, Alanis Morissette because I don't know if this is actually ironic or not. Um, <laughs> but the irony here is that this time GitHub caught their own mistake. One of their own people accidentally uploaded the RSA SSH host key that they use for connecting to their systems, published the 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 key in a public GitHub repo. And it was only there for a brief period of time. They detected it themselves, and as a result, they had to rotate the key. Now, GitHub is used by a lot of people. Never heard of it. And many people <laughs> woke up the next morning, went to connect, and immediately got a message saying, hey, this SSH key doesn't match. Something might be wrong. So a lot of people got into a panic. But in this case, it was uh, apparently an honest mistake by someone inside of GitHub. Oh, you got to love those good old-fashioned. I call them Billy's. Right, Billy? You do. Oh, Billy, he's that guy that's just, you know, he, his sister's, you know, probably the, uh, or his sister, his mom is probably the sister of one of the CEOs. And it's just, <laughs> I'm son needs a job. And you're stuck with him. Yeah. But he does love to make a good mistake. And this sounds like a Billy story right here. Well, we don't know. They haven't said who it was that did it. It could end up being like LastPass, where it's their <laughs> senior engineer, the top of the food chain, and they make the mistake. What it what it worries me about is 
we do a lot of end user security awareness training and we try and teach people to be secure and don't share your credentials. And I, I specifically instruct the engineers of don't post API keys and credentials in a place where it can make it into a public GitHub. You result. say don't do that? Don't, oh, okay. don't do that. But then <laughs> when you see the people at GitHub do it, Right, right. It 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 demoralizes me. <laughs> they they got me demoralized. It just tell you like right, like these things are going to happen. Yes, it's just a part of being you know a human in the world. We are not perfect creatures. We're gonna make these mistakes. The the fact that their own script, but like everything worked to me. This is like a big publicity win for them. We made a big fat mistake, and our own systems correct helped us correct it. There was no fallout due to it. This is why you should use GitHub because even when senior developers such as ourselves make these mistakes, yep. we will we have got you, mm-hmm. right? To me, I think it's a win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they hadn't detected it, right? If an attack that would have been a problem. It, that would be a problem. Yeah, and we do have to have a little bit of trust here, right? Because they're saying, oh, we we evaluated our logs and nobody accessed the key during that time. Well, what that I mean is we don't I, have any proof that anybody accessed the key. I find that hard to believe that they would have a public repo that's not being cloned and replicated by people like crazy. It seems like that would happen. Well, I wonder what the time um, frame was, you know. Uh, you know, I don't remember the exact time. It was a very short period of time, yeah. though. It was very, very small. Uh, and they, they rotated their keys right away to get that out to people and, and make it where it was a non-issue. Yeah. So they did the right things. But it, it does just worry me, like... When you see companies like GitHub and LastPass and so on making these mistakes, how are how are we the little there's guys? There's no hope. It, 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 sometimes it feels like there's no hope. Yeah, this is gonna be the most depressing episode ever. Please do not kill your neighbor and don't give up hope on cybersecurity. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be our new shirt. As Get tasty made. as they may be. <laughs> so, ironically, I don't. Th- not ironically, but oddly enough. I don't think that's the first time you've said that on this show. No. I think that is not the first time that no, that's we're come using up. using jokes. Damn it. <laughs> and yeah. if there's one thing I've learned from Lannis Moore said, it's that you can use the term ironic however you want. Yeah. You mean yeah. anything. You have to be yeah. ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, I had lasagna for dinner last night. The irony play is going to show really up good. on the door in a second. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's funny. So before we move on from this article, I have just a kind of a curiosity question. So it said they're going to they issued an update. They're having to kind of pivot a little bit. Does this, like... Is this a change for like are GitHub users going to have to do anything? Are they going to have to take action? So if you so this really just affects users that connected via SSH to GitHub to be able to to work with their repositories. If you did that, GitHub's published a new key. So the next time you connect, your client, if it's you know any client worth its salt, <laughs> is going to refuse to connect because the key doesn't match, right? So you'll have to accept the new key. Now be careful with that because most clients will have where you can just type yes <laughs> and, and accept the new key, but. How do you know you've really connected to GitHub at that point, right? So you need to get the fingerprint from GitHub's website and compare that to what your SSH client is showing you and make sure they match before you accept that new key. Don't just blindly trust what's being handed to you. And and that's advice I would give you on any SSH server, not just GitHub. Hmm. Okay, good to know. So I was was reading through it and I was just curious what... I'm sure GitHub probably on their post went into more detail about it, um, but just curious to see if, if that would mean anything big for them. Sounds like a pretty simple fix, though, so that's good. Yep. So moving on from that, uh, we've got, actually, this is a little bit different for this segment, but it's kind of an interesting change. Um, this next segment is called Who Got Pwned? Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! 
the reason I say it's different than what I was expecting is because usually when we come to this segment, it's like it's something happened to somebody or some company and, and they did Specific. they got pwned. Um, but this is actually it says Windows, Ubuntu, and VMware Workstation hacked on last day of Pwn to Own. So this comes from Bleeping Computer. I was not familiar with Pwn to Own, but it's a an annual hacking competition. Some big bucks awarded on the last day. I think close to. 200 grand total. So this was not like, oh my gosh, we got pwned and we're in big trouble. It was like people were purposefully seeking this stuff out for for monetary reward. Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a big one, and, and this one really falls into to Daniel's area. But the pwned own contest is something that's put on every year. It's officially sponsored. Um, there were a number of zero day exploits. I forget the total number that came out of this. Something like 28. Yeah, I think it was almost 30. Yeah, yeah it was it was high. Uh, they paid out over a million dollars in payouts, but the the leading team actually drew in quite a, a prize, and they were able to find vulnerabilities in a ton of things. So this is a it's a neat contest they put on every year because you you hear about these products that you think are are really secure that are doing a lot of effort. And to know that you can get a team of people in a room over just a period of a couple of days and churn out some pretty big exploits just shows you that cybersecurity is a never-ending task. Yeah, and this is the kind of thing, like, to me, Pwn to Own is is that, that cyber cool, sexy kind of thing that would draw someone into cybersecurity. We'd be like, this is so damn cool that you're paying people, like, over the course of just a few days, over a million dollars in payouts from some of the largest corporations on the earth— like one of them even won a Tesla, right? There was just it's just cool to see all these brilliant minds in one spot coming to show off their you know skills and capabilities to go after the big dogs who spend hundreds of millions of dollars on security and programming and testing to make sure that their stuff is safe and for some dude or lady to come in and go, so actually, I don't know if you know this, but there's a you know a use after free vulnerability here and uh, yeah I got a full RCE remotely no authentication it was fun where's my money <laughs> and then you know they're making it rain and it's legit and it's super cool and it's it's to me it's everything you think about when you think of that hacker culture of people coming together and trying to find these things I've seen it on a smaller stage mm-hmm. with um, like bug bounty hunting and things of that nature where they'll do like a bug bounty you know marathon of a day or two. And just bring in the best bug bounty hunters, and they'll sit down and go, "All right, everybody here has access to these private uh, bug bounties, and see hmm. what you can find." But this is just a, such a grander scale, yeah. And for them to find what was it, Microsoft? We had Ubuntu, we got VMware, uh, with Tesla. Obviously, they they had like three hacks for the car on one person. Yeah, right. Like yeah. these are all zero days. If this stuff hit the wild, it would be a field day. We would be running around with decapitated poultry syndrome all day long, just going, what do we do? What do we do? How do we stop this? But, yeah. but yeah. because they put on these programs, they don't feel compelled to go out and uh, sell those because there, there's a large market for people selling zero days on the black market. Yeah. So instead of selling it to the black market, you go get some street cred, you get a nice payday, maybe get a car. It's cool. Yeah. Now, the, the leading winner was a French group known as Synactive. Uh, that and is perfect. It's a, a, a <laughs> hacker collective, so they do cybersecurity research. And it's a group that's made up of over 20 people. Nice. And that, that made me curious. Like, all right, if you're a French group, so you're you're in from France, you got over 20 people, you want a Tesla. What, <laughs> yeah, what do what you, do, do, you with that? do with that? I mean, I guess you have to sell it before you leave the States, it's right? It's profit share. They just, they just uh, you get it this week, and then Jean-Claude here, he gets it next week. Well, even the effort of just getting it back to France. Oh, that's true. There's like import taxes and all that stuff. Yeah, you probably yep. just sell it. 
and uh, steering wheel is on the correct side, actually, right? Is it, France, is they it, drive on the right side like we do. What I read was 51% of the world drives on the correct side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, uh-huh. it is neat to see groups like this have a place to go and compete. And, and each year we hear about, like last year, there were several vulnerabilities in ESX and other platforms that we view as pretty secure. These massive, multi-billion dollar international companies but they have vulnerabilities just like everybody else, and this is a kind of a safe place for us to discover and hopefully get those patches. I bet, I bet iPhone vulns really pay out because if you got like groups like NSO or whatever, uh, where they want iPhone zero days big time, yeah, I'm sure they're willing to pay as well. So, well, and those are probably so valuable that right. people don't want to waste it on a competition like this. That's true. That's they true. sell them straight to government. You just got to be like a straight, good character, up, upright citizen. That if you find something like that to go to take it to Pono Own. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's probably why we see like the Pono Own contest will usually center around things like web browsers. Yeah. Uh, web browser vulnerabilities, because those those are really important but don't pay out right. as much. And so, you know, this is a, a better venue for that. Still really cool though. If you haven't heard of Pono Own, you should check it out, look at the old uh, victories and stuff, and maybe look forward to going and, and seeing some of this stuff for yourself next time. Yeah, it's, I had no idea things like this even existed. So that, I mean, it is really cool. And what a motivator to like go and find these zero days and not yeah. do something evil with them, like you said. So it's pretty cool. I think the number I was looking at was just on the last day. So that 185,000 close to 200 grand was just the third day. So yeah, I guess it was. It was like a million and 35,000 or something that was given out in total, which is and a car. And a car. <laughs> and which a car. Is interesting to me because if Tesla was one of the companies that they were like trying to find zero day exploits for, it's like you found exploits with our company. Here's one of our cars. Yeah. That, so, I don't know, it just is interesting. Like, you would think they it. probably already had one. <laughs> you don't exploit zero days on uh, just out of, oh, you know, I'm pretty sure it would do this. Oh, let's try it. <laughs> I'm just thinking if the car is affected by that. But I guess if it's a zero day and it's not like out in the wild yet, then yeah. the yeah. car's on impact. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool, though. I, I wonder if there's other stuff like that out there on a, maybe a smaller scale. Um, but that's clearly a pretty big deal. So do you see a pwn-to-own conference in your future, Daniel? No. I mean, <laughs> I'd like to go. I am never going to. I don't have the... You just go to watch? Yeah. Like, the people that, that do exploit research are super smart. Super duper smart. Do they allow people to observe pwn to I, I don't know. I don't think they do. I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of it was, like, like um, video submissions yeah. of I, them doing it and giving their presentations that way. I'm pretty sure they don't, and the the reason is if you observe a zero day, right, you could go and and recreate it out, it. yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I don't know if they give out the code to that to like, I could I could prove a zero day works without showing you the code, right, right. Yeah, that's true. So you Running, could observe that pile yeah. binaries right, and right. stuff like that. Yeah, I'll have to do some googling later. Figure that. Yeah, out. I'm, I'm never, I would never go, but just you know, why not? Well, because I'd have What's to wrong probably, with you, huh? probably have to fly somewhere, right? And put in effort right. to go. Get money you think back. I'm gonna over put in effort. Well, that's unfortunate. Maybe maybe one day you can go and see that in real in real time. But before we wrap up this episode of Technado, I have a couple things that I just want to touch on real quick. Uh, Technado is sponsored by ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. So if you're listening from the Technado website, look for that Sponsored by button. You can go to the IT Pro website. If you want to support the podcast, check out those courses. And there's a promo code Technado30 that you can use for a discount on an IT Pro membership. And you can also check out ACI Learning's webinars and live on social events. Um, even if you don't catch one live, those live on YouTube and LinkedIn and all their other socials. So you can watch them after the fact. Uh, Technado 300, actually, which was the episode we did last week, also lives on YouTube. So if you did miss that episode last week, don't worry, you can go back and join in on the fun uh, 
I guess po- not posthumously. That would be after death. But <laughs> I don't know. There's a word for it somewhere in there. And then That's lastly, right. it's been a morbid episode. After it's a morbid episode, it's dead to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we never look back. Uh, and then lastly, it is Women's History Month. So every week this month, uh, there was an interview that was put out by ACI Learning with a different woman working in audit, cyber, or IT. So this week, it was an interview with Deidre Melton that went up on YouTube and LinkedIn. She works in audit. You can go check that out. She's a really interesting woman to listen to and hear about her story. And I think that's pretty much all that I've got for this week, unless I'm forgetting anything. No, it's a lot of exciting times. A lot of stuff going yeah. on. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your contributions. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you for tuning in for this episode of Technado. We'll see you next week. 